I don't know. I kind of like when we start talking about what we hated the most in the chapter. Dicks that smirk and can't look behind them. I'll just I'll just read the line out loud. Oh, How please about do. That? Please do. I know I highlighted it. I mean, I have it. The object of my lust pauses before walking off the elevator. My dick smirks as I stroll out too, heading in the opposite direction and not looking back. I love the porn king. He's the best in the world and he has a big dick. The porn king. Uh, welcome back to the Handbook Podcast. I'm Elle, and I, as always, I'm here with Megan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Megan. How you doing, Elle? Oh, well, I'm good, Meg. I'm great. I'm not... I'm like a smirking dick on a hot day. Oh, oh, that sounds very moist. How does a dick... Let's talk. How does a dick smirk? <sighs> um... I guess How? it starts turning up slightly. Like, is it like a metaphor so for getting hard? It's like a chub. It is okay. I like this. Is it a chub? I think it's a so. chub. It's a half, one half of an erection. I guess smirking is better than I got a chub as I walked in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear it eventually. Like we've we've gotten so many details about. Everything. We haven't got like an actual length. Just that it's it's the cock of the century, Meg. It is. So it's perfectly long and wide and has facial expressions. The cock of the century. That's why that's why it's the cock of the century. It has a tiny face on it. (laughs) Oh, You know what? Okay, so can we talk about something real quick? Sure. She's called it the cock of the century, but has she mentioned if he's cut or uncut? He has. She has not. She hasn't talked about foreskin at all. She did say mushroom tip. Mm. But that's not a really, like, clear sign one way or the other. I don't know. Well, I don't know. She's, I don't think she she thinks about it that far. Maybe she just doesn't want to say one way or another, because, like, everybody has preferences. You know what? If we ever created a Patreon, one of the levels would be cock socks. I would make cock socks for people at that level. Cock socks? Yes. Okay, what are some of the other levels we would have? I have no idea, but I just... I think Magic Girl should be the entry level Fuck one. yes. I'm all for that. I'm all for Magic that. Magic Girl, Team Jackson. <laughs> Cock socks. And I don't know what they would look like. Something They'd have to look like something medical, so I haven't figured that out yet, because the only ones I've ever looked at oh, are aviation-related. Oh, a stethoscope? A stethoscope? Okay. But it's a dildo at the end. There you go. <laughs> we'll have to get dildo soap, too. Dildo soap will be the, the S tier. The best tier. What happened in this book before we got we started today? Because I kind of did not remember. I'm she. Th- so this book is everything that people think is bad about erotica, and that it is a poorly constructed story used to string together sex scenes. Except the sex scenes are now also feeling rushed. Like we're also glossing over them. We are. Like we had our we had our big crescendo. On the seventh floor. And now the seventh floor is just a thing that we reference. Like, she's like, you can go to the seventh floor and cool off. And then they meet up there and they fight and they fuck. And we get, like, some details about it. And then the next chapter's like, we fuck all the time up there now. And it's like, what am I reading this book for? Exactly. Like, if you're not going to give me every single time you have sex, what's the payoff? So, the chapter before the one we started tonight, where we ended last time we recorded was Caden talking to a cancer patient who is not responding well to treatment who may also have a crush on him if I recall and well, because we have to drive home that he is so handsome and lovable and likable 
He's just, he's everything to everybody. He's all that empathy. Because if you think about it, he's kind of the ultimate Mary Sue. He's very much a Mary Sue. It's Gary Stew, as we would call <laughs> it back in the day. So we start with chapter 19 and Elizabeth. In the residence locker room, I'm gathering keys for my purse, dressed in red denim pants and a white sweater, long hair freed from the cumbersome stranglehold it was in. Can I just... First of all, why is she dressed like a candy striper? Second of all, what time of year is this that you're playing baseball outside at midnight, but it's cold enough for a sweater? Maybe it's like a light sweater? Maybe. I don't know. Like, I get it. It's supposed to be really tight pants with a really, I don't know, it probably shows off her chest very well. So, the big issue I had with the sentence was, I free my hair from the cumbersome stranglehold it was in. <laughs> what did she have in her hair? I don't know, but I do know that there are times when I finally let my hair down and it doesn't move. So I, I mean, get it, it feels like okay. I understand what she means. Maybe I, I guess my concern is like okay, stranglehold for for your hair. Sure, I'm sure people with like thick curly hair have to do that. What was cumbersome about it? That's a very good question. Would you have some like headgear on your top <laughs> knot? Like that's a very good question. It was a cumbersome stranglehold. I'm sure she just thought it sounded fancy. She just word vomited straight onto that page. We had a pipe burst above ours. Above ours. So all the doctors are having to cozy up in these closed quarters. Like, of course. Of course they are. But are there really different locker rooms for residents and actual doctors? I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like that this is just her creating like a almost like a cast system in here. It's strange. So she has this whole interaction with Janet Gilroy and we go back and forth and it's one of the first little like peaks we get into Janet. Like before this, we've mostly seen Janet through Caden's eyes. Mm -hmm. But now we have this like interaction where they're talking about a patient whose kids didn't really love him. They just wanted his money. So he flipped out at them and Janet's like, I didn't realize that there were people who just want their parents to die to have money. And Elizabeth is like, I never realized how little Janet understands, or how little natural instinct Janet has for behavioral psychology gives me greater pause. Okay, you use the term behavioral psychology, that's not a natural instinct thing. That's right. a field of study. Yep. There's a lot of things that I have, thoughts I had about this section, mostly of... Are we trying to portray Janet as on the spectrum? Thank you. Like, that was the thing. Like, they talk about how she doesn't necessarily react to things and she lacks empathy, which is not necessarily um, a, a trademark of being on the spectrum. I don't think that it's generally a lack of empathy. It's a lack of, like, expression of empathy. Right. There is something, like, my sister, there are reactions that my sister doesn't understand. Not to say that my sister's on the spectrum, but she is we have to adapt and, and, and explain things to her sometimes of like, I remember the first time was like when I broke up with a guy and her not understanding, she's like, just go find another one. And it was like the best advice I'd ever gotten. Before. I like your sister. I like my sister too. She's kind of great. Just get another one. <laughs> but I, like, this is what I was thinking of with Janet, where it's like, there are some people who just really don't understand, but that doesn't, the way that she's trying to portray Janet is very cold and standoffish and almost alien-like. But the problem is the way she's depicting Janet comes off as her looking down on somebody on the spectrum. Yes. That's my problem with it. Because very Janet so. obviously has feelings. And obviously because later on, like, Caden and Dev show up and they're talking about the baseball thing. And... First of all, why is home run capitalized? Oh, God. I didn't even notice that, but... And second of all, they're like, you know why you're not invited, Janet. And they go back and forth. Like, Dev and Janet go back and forth in this chapter saying, 
I don't know why I'm not invited. Yes, you do. No, I don't. No, I really don't. And the whole time, like, Elizabeth and Caden are just standing there while Dev and Janet go back and forth. And it's like, all right, she clearly doesn't know. And I don't know. To me, it doesn't come off like somebody who's, like, mean and detached. It comes off like somebody who's either, like, really not been well socialized in their life. Right. Or who's on the spectrum. And I don't know. It's It makes everything else seem mean. Yeah, it does. It's it it also is a little weird because like if Janet was trying to get this job and she is on the spectrum, like she would have ways of phrasing questions and things like that. Like it wouldn't be like something kind of just realized in this situation, but like it really like this whole not understanding that the kids are really just looking at them for the money really reads that way and especially given what's said about her later uh in chapter 23 i don't like elizabeth much when it comes to janet elizabeth doesn't come off good here although she forces dev to ask her to join the team to which caden says you're a good egg dr myers it's all weird like they should have this this should have happened 16 chapters ago, 17 chapters this is ago. Just, this is just another example of Felina just, like, not really knowing how to write dialogue, it feels well, like. That as well. But it also has, it serves no purpose here except for just to, like, maybe make Janet seem terrible. There is cold and bitchy, and there's and then cold and bitchy manipulative, and then there is... Socially oblivious, honestly. Yes. That's the way it seems with Janet. It's so weird. But we also learned... Yeah, the treatment of Janet is weird. That Janet, whose last name again is Gilroy, is a first-generation immigrant. No, sorry. Her parents are first-generation immigrants. They own small businesses. the whole thing. And every hour they've put into them is theirs. Watching them taught me to work harder so I can make them proud. Gilroy is a British... Irish, Scottish, somewhere UK-wise last name. Which is not to say, like, so interestingly enough, one of my oldest friends is second generation American-born British doctor. But, like, it's almost like they want to make Janet to be dev? Like, Dev's kind of background, like almost the stereotypical kind of thing, but we have, we know nothing about Janet other than she's super competitive. She's second generation. There's not even like a, there's never been a mention of an accent, which she wouldn't necessarily have. The thing that's weird about it to me is just, it's another moment where I feel like um, it's another moment where I feel like Felina is taking any opportunity to ham-fist her opinions about things that don't relate to the actual story into this book. Her whole thing is she's like, some kids feel like they're owed everything their parents made. And it's like, well, all right, fair. My dad doesn't have to take care of me. But if my dad dies, yeah, I want his money. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's how, that's, that's a parent thing. That isn't an unreasonable thing. That's like a standard thing we do in the Western world. I don't know. It shouldn't be what you're thinking about on his deathbed. Yeah, it's fucked up what those people were doing. But Felina makes it out like it's like wrong to think about or it's like wrong to feel like your parents owe you anything. And I don't know. It seems like another moment where she's just so bootstrappy. Yeah, it's very weird. And it's like she wanted Janet to be one person and kind of decided to... What was the expression you use that's not shoehorned? Hand-fisted. Because to shoehorn is actually to insert something delicately and precisely. So they hand-fisted their way with Janet. Like, it's... I'm, like, skimming through the first few chapters where Janet is invited. Invited. Janet is mentioned, and there's no mention of what she looks like, really, of any kind of accent. We used to make fun of my friend. She 
sounds American. She doesn't have a British accent. But when she gets angry, the British comes out. And there's like, there's no indication that Janet is anything but a white woman. Like, Felina is not the kind of person to write diversity in to where there are enough clues that we are to get that Janet is not anything but a privileged white woman in a hospital. Even when they talk about how, like, Caden versus Janet, it's like, Janet is a woman, and this is the edge that she has over Caden. But it's never like, Janet is a woman and of a minority. And it's... Yeah. Almost like they want to suddenly make Janet go that way. And by they, I mean Felina, of course. So after Dev and Caden have their weird interaction with them about the baseball thing, and Caden calls Elizabeth a good egg, he takes his shirt off, and she averts her eyes with precision, but the glint in his makes her wet for hours to come. That just sounds inconvenient. <laughs> it does sound very inconvenient. And then we have this weird thing where we get, like, okay, so she hasn't told us what Janet looks like, she hasn't told us anything really about Janet, but I'll walk out with you, Janet offers calmly, lifting her plastic modern backpack and tugging it on as we exit. That's a weird thing to add in. Are we supposed to assume things about Janet based on that? I guess. That she's 12 from 1999? And then we get this. I don't see what the nurses see in him. My eyebrows lift. Excuse me? Nothing. Sorry. I shouldn't talk about it. Especially not with you. Cleansing to a clock. She changes the subject. I might get a donut on- I might splurge and get a donut on my way home. I've earned it. You have, Janet. Go get that donut. But I love that we're, like, using this as, like, this is, like, a comparison moment. Like- Caden's more committed to things because he won't have the donut. God, I forgot about that. Forgot about that. Fuck this book. It's so weird that we're using donuts. And then she's... So Elizabeth asks her, what did you mean about the nurses? And Janet meets my interest with a blank stare. I don't want to talk about him since we're in competition. You're not discussing his talent as a doctor. True. Now, okay, I had a hard time understanding this situation. I get now that she's saying you're not talking about his talent as a doctor and that's what the nurses are into. But for a minute, when she was like, I don't want to talk about him since we're in competition, I thought for a second they were going to be like, oh, Janet's also really indicating and oh. she means he and, she and Elizabeth are in competition. I was like, this is a weird subplot yeah. to be introducing at this juncture. Yeah, no, it, this reads weird because the correct response would be more of like, I'm not going to talk about this with you because you're my boss. Yeah. Not because we're in competition. That said, I gossip with my boss frequently. It's a lot of fun. Everybody does. So, yeah, we don't know anything about Janet, but we do. And again, this whole, I like our secondary characters more than our main characters. Also, my subway station has opened up a mini donut place, and they are fantastic. They're like this big, and you get, I got lemon and blueberry on it. So they put lemon sauce, and then they put a blueberry in the middle. It's perfect bite oh my size. God, that sounds amazing. So good. I want donuts now. So then we get the elevator scene in the next chapter, where Dr. Meyer's shoes walk on. Just her shoes. From what I can tell of this sentence. <laughs> and Caden fills up her ass. Do you think Felina was watching Fifty Shades of Grey? Or is it Fifty Shades Absolutely. Darker when this scene was being written? It's Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Wait, no, I think it was both, actually. He gives her the Benoit balls in the second one, I think. He does, yes. But there's definitely an elevator scene where... Yeah, it's when he says, fuck the paperwork, and he throws her against That's the right. elevator wall. That's right. And then the old men get on, and she's all disheveled looking in that fucking gorgeous blue suede jacket. Ugh, things I would do. <laughs> um, well, let's get to the end of this chapter, and then I'm going to complain about Twilight for a couple minutes. Okay. So, 
Then we get, um, he touches her ass in front of a bunch of people without her permission, and his dick smirks. Uh, I had skipped over and this. Forgot this was a point. It's on the first then, page of this chapter. Then we have some schmaltzy ER daytime television drama where a tent fell at a circus. And there's a bunch of people that are all fucked up. And Elizabeth, surprisingly, as head trauma surgeon or whatever the fuck she is, isn't paying attention to Caden and his smirking penis. So she asks him to help a five-year-old girl find her mom. This five-year-old girl thinks her last name is Pocahontas. He also makes a comment and compares Elizabeth to his mother. Yep, that was fucked up. I didn't like that. My comment on that was, well, at least he's honest. Yep, at least we now understand the mommy issues. So yes, five years old... Is pre-kindergarten or kindergarten? I knew my last name. You should know your last name. But anyways, they find her mom. And then we have a weird flashback that isn't clearly pointed out as a flashback. It goes from, I remember the time our mom was in tears at the gash on Samantha's palm when she was this young. I can imagine from all I've witnessed how terrifying it must be when your child is hurt, but to have one missing must be devastating. It's just a cut, mommy. A cut that made Max vomit. Sam's braver than most give her credit for, especially since she tends to care for others first. And mom was flipping out. We have no indication of what's happening yep. here. But if you go watch the video of him talking about, or the the book cover dude pretending to be Caden, this is the scene that he talks about. It's one of the scenes he talks about that helped make him realize he wants to be a doctor. Which is the only reason that I could figure out what the fuck was going on here. Because I'd already listened to it. It just, it was weird. And then we have, like, a weird... It's one of those things... I remember in um, high school, we were asked to write a creative writing piece about a painting. And I wrote about Judith slaying her law for knees. And in it, I, I kind of, like, paused the narrative to, like, look up at the stars for a second. And my teacher said something, this is an odd time for introspection. And it's something that I've thought about ever since. Which is that generally, when you're in the moment about to do something, you don't introspect and if you're gonna do it you need to have it be at a time that it's not going to detract from the momentum of your narrative that is fair and she does this all of the time like it's exactly that whole interim chapter where she goes and meets with the alzheimer lady and they talk about the fucking selma march last time we had this like two weeks ago when we talked about this it's the same thing she can't keep any narrative momentum going no it's like she goes here's what's happening in this chapter okay i don't have enough happening in this chapter here's a flashback And then we get to this bullshit. Did you find the child's mother? Not looking up, I mutter, yep. Where was she? After a few seconds of silence, her voice becomes firm. Dr. Cocker, I asked you a question. First of all, adults do not ignore people. Um. Not in this situation. Not my boss. I would not ignore my boss. I would not ignore any coworker. I wouldn't have ignored anybody about this situation. This no, is bullshit. Yeah. No, I've definitely done the silence game as an adult. But not in this kind of situation. Why'd you hand the kid off to me? I'm not a babysitter. Janet was in there getting bloody and you sent me off to find a lost mom. Her narrowed eyes sharpen and glance around, sprinting back to lock on me. Her eyes, they sprint. Dr. Cocker, here's a suggestion. Take your attitude to the seventh floor where you can cool off and remember who you're who you are speaking to. Seventh floor. She marches away. Is capitalized. Yeah. She marches away. I'm frowning after her. My ego bruised dick jumping to life. This is the second chapter in a row that we have had Caden's point of view, and it has end with his dick personified. His anthropomorphized penis. And then they have, like, torrid makeout time. Did, okay. He ignored her. The whole situation was bad all around. He disrespected her in front of all of their peers. I think his question was fair, though not presented in the right way. I don't know. I thought it was pretty lame. It is weird to send a doctor to do that, but I don't know. Instead of a nurse? 
But... And then we get this sex scene. Well, this pre-sex scene where first they're making out and arguing, and then she pushes him away, and he paces and snarls. And I'm picturing him down on all fours like a furry. (laughs) It's... So she pushes him away. And then she says, did I tell you you could stop? Yes. And then he says, rushing forward, I pull our crotches together. (laughs) I was reading this in my Uber and I laughed so hard. And I'm sorry if you were in the Uber with me. I... I... I pull our crotches together is the least sexy way to put that. And groan as my erection finds what it wants. First of all, crotch is a terrible word. Crotch is like the least sexual way to refer to that part of the body on any day in any context. Groin is better. Yeah, I agree. I, I pull our crotches together. It's crotch is the word you use if you're going to do something like for some reason I have the book It by Stephen King in my head like something that like you would do to terrorize a child is like or like you do something terrible to a crotch you don't fuck a crotch like (laughs) you just don't that's the name of this episode. You don't fuck a crotch. Nobody in the history of forever has ever laid back on a bed full of lust and said, yeah, fuck me in the crotch. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel like there was a game at one point where I was keeping a list of things. It was like, these are things I'm going to say to my next sexual partner to see what happens. And that would be on it. Oh my God. I can't even keep going. Like, there's nothing There's nothing good in this sex scene, except there's one point where they don't quite describe what's happening. So... Wait, uh, he, like, okay, hang on. We've gotten to... There's lace bras. Their crotches are together. Their crotches are together, but then away as they take off their coats. And then there's... And then the crotches are back together. <laughs> we use the term pillowy cleavage to describe breasts. We do, several times if I'm not mistaken. And then he gives her shit for wearing matching underwear. I don't... Sometimes I just wear matching underwear. Exactly, I was about to say, I don't think I've ever had a guy notice that I'm wearing matching underwear. Well, not every guy has been Caden Cocker with his dick of the century that makes facial expressions and is apparently sentient. Like, I remember at one point where I had to be like, dude... I put this underwear on specifically because it's sexy. Don't just rip it off. Enjoy it for a minute. (laughs) Can you just take, like, two seconds and appreciate my underwear? Like, come on. (laughs) So, then there's this bit. So, he he goes to eat her out. But he, there's no, there's no explanation of them being on the ground. No. Or him getting on his knees. No. He just says, I grunt, hoisting her leg over my shoulder. And in that moment, I was like, are they standing? I, wait. He just, like, puts her leg right up over... Like, she's bendy as hell, I guess. Like Lanny. I guess because he's pulling Zade. her underwear down, it's implies he's getting down on her knee on his Mm, this is a bad expression like there's there's plenty of ways first of all we could have skipped the crotch sentence we could have also and been like he could have been like i dropped my knees in front of her like also the glistening tufts of curly hair he says grunt and to me grunt is like very unsexual i've got to taste you i grunt when he says grunt i imagine like i gotta taste you then can I tell you my I have to tell you this note okay I grunt hoisting her leg over my shoulder so my tongue can dive into her dampness taste the salty sweetness of her secrets and my note is apparently her secret is kettle corn (laughs) I love kettle corn you just fucking ruined kettle corn for me the salty sweetness of her secrets it's kettle corn hate you so much she's just she's got a lot of kettle corn on her at any given time 
then there's this like weird exposition of downstairs where she only calls my calls me by my last name. People are wondering where we are. And I don't I'm sorry, we skipped shocked fingers speed into my hair fisting it. I that mean word doesn't mean what you think it means, Felina. It does not. Also, okay, so this tent came down on a food court at a festival, at a fall festival or something, which implies... you've retained so many more details about that than I did. Daytime. I mean, maybe not. In my mind, it implies daytime, maybe because I just went to a fall festival that ended at like 4 p.m., but... Nah, it's the middle of the damn day, and they're just up there on the seventh floor. Where the fuck's the construction people? Putting their crotches against <laughs> each other. They just stand in there watching? Like, eating kettle corn from the fall fuck festival. You. Oh, I'm never eating kettle corn again. Crotch to crotch, eating kettle corn. Secretly. <laughs> just, I can't deal with this. So he talks about how he's gonna fuck her later, and then I have some other really good notes, which is, um... She lowers her shivering pussy onto my length. What does that mean? Her lust is locked squarely with mine. What does this mean? Our lips lock as my cock finds her edges. What the fuck does that mean? So tight you're squeezing me, I rasp into her panting lips as she rides my shaft. And your tongue is pure fantasy material. All caps. What does this mean? It's very good questions because, like... Who says that? Your tongue is pure fantasy material? What does that mean? It would be one thing if they're she was... They're just making out. No, they're definitely having sex. No, but, the, but yeah, like it's, the mouth. Yeah, like, she hasn't given him a blowjob today. I don't remember if she did last time or not, but it like... She uses so many words to describe this sex scene that I just can't deal with. Like, she moans, closing her eyes and crashing into me. I thrust my hips up and she rises from her squat a little. Yep, so that now, ruined... as far as I'm concerned, she's just real deep in that squat. That ruined any kind of sexual scene for me. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you're in a sumo squat right now. Yeah, she's just... Not on her knees. She's she's low. She's Sumo loose. Squat. She's stretching. She's holding that squat. She feels the burn. That is our new workout routine, everybody. Sumo squat onto a dick. And then they have inconsistent uh, sumo squat onto a dick. Oh my god. The Felina Hopkins get right for summer workout. Sumo squats. Onto dicks. And then... And then we have some, what feels like half-assed, afterthought, dirty talk. You don't want me talking back to you, Dr. Myers. Biting my lips, she warns, you better not. Wow, steamy. It's like... The chemistry of two stacked chairs. Felina needs to decide. Is this the start of some kind of control situation where Elizabeth is giving up control. It's you're right. It's not steamy enough. It's not dirty enough. It's, it's not anything enough. And then we go into voyeurism and I was like, Oh, have like, that's not starts, everybody's kink. He starts talking. First of all, we've never heard that the chief is named overhand before, but now we do. Yeah. And he comes up in the next couple chapters, but he starts being like, I'm going to tell him how wet you get. This is not what I would want to hear about during sex. Like there's no part of me that would get off on the idea of my partner describing a sexual act between us to my boss. There it would be something in like a Dom sub relationship where the Dom could make the sub talk about how wet they get, but this is just half-assed shit. Like, what if I tell you off in front of Chief Oberhan? No, don't ever do that. You're so hard. It's like bad phone sex. Yeah, it really does. It kind of sounds like a robot. <laughs> It's like this bot was fed. Oh, we've already done that joke. I'm not doing that again. And then he threatens to come inside of her. Which and he almost does. This is the second time they've had sex. They have never had a discussion. We have no idea. They're just a quick line of like Elizabeth's on birth control. It is not okay. It is not safe. 
to fuck your partner without a condom, without consent. It is dangerous if you don't know their last STD panels. It is incredibly dangerous because pre-cum is just as likely to get you pregnant. All of this is stupid and they're both fucking doctors. Yep. And adults. She bursts into us. They're adults. He says, how about I come inside you? She says, now I know you're joking. I grin back because she's right. Oh, fuck, I want to. The way you're squeezing my dick, I want to come inside you so deep, it stays there until you're talking to the chief over a cup of coffee to get you through another shift. That was like a a long diatribe to go on while you're so wrapped up in the throes of passion that you're about to come inside somebody. At a thrust, like, as you speak, you know, close off the quotation, thrust, keep talking. It's possible. It's weird. Not the kink, but the way this is written. So, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, again, it's kind of robotic. And then he pulls out at the last second. He's like, my lab coat, grab the tissue, which implies that he just keeps tissues on himself all the time in case he comes. I mean, I guess at this point he does because they both expected this to happen again. But it's not even just that. He is so close to coming that he grabs her hips and doesn't pull her off him, which is what I would kind of envision. I don't know, you're like, what position are we in? So he, like, grabs her hips and holds her and then slides out really quickly, and he slices his cheek, and it took me until halfway through the next chapter to realize they were not talking about his face. Same here. So he's covered in blood on a rusty nail. She's like, I need to patch you up. And he's like, absolutely not. She's like, you need a tetanus shot. And he's like, nah. And then he just goes downstairs and gives himself a fucking tetanus shot in the ass. That is the thing that happens. And Dev walks in and thinks nothing of it and patches him up. I really like the line, let Janet prick me. It'll make her month. And then I just suddenly started creating the story where Janet's into pegging. And, like, it works. But, yes, can we please talk about how we have a whole fucking chapter that is dedicated to him giving himself a tetanus shot and stitches? I'm sorry, I'm still processing the part where Janet likes pegging. It's, uh, it, it's my own head more than anything. Oh, the prick him? Yeah. Okay. Let Janet prick him. That would It'll be make her month. In my mind, I went, for all we know, Janet is really into pegging. She probably is. And I am totally on board with that. Maybe she'll peg Elizabeth later. And then chapter 22 is entirely dedicated to... I guess they're... How everybody ends up in this empty goddamn room. Because it's not the locker room. It's just a random empty room. Where he's giving himself a shot. Dev walks in, thinks nothing of it sews him up, and then Dr. Janet Gilroy comes in, and, okay, if I walked in and my coworker was fucking, like, pants half down while somebody else sewed him up, I would also be massively uncomfortable. So when she leaves the room, he's like, she dashes out, and I start laughing. It's like, you made a complete and total stranger, practically, so uncomfortable. And then we have the weird butt hair talk. We also have a weird sexual harassment talk before that. Where we've got... Kaden basically like essentially telling Dev that all he wants to do is maybe fuck Kaden or maybe just get really really intensely close to Kaden and like again this book implies that they were not friends before it started and it's not been that long of time for them to come such best friends that like you could joke around while stitching each other up ha isn't this great but he wants to avoid sexual harassment in the workplace with Janet. Yeah, she doesn't look at- she blinks away from my butt like it's the most grotesque thing she's witnessed. That is how I would react to any of my coworkers if I saw their ass without, like, it being a thing. I would also act grossed out because it's my coworker and I don't want to see that part of them, even if they're hot. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's also- And maybe I'm wrong, but 
you have to be prescribed shots. So it's not like he could walk to a station and get this shot. And I don't know if you are allowed to just give yourself a shot at a hospital. I'm also going to back up real quick and say that you get a tetanus shot every 10 years and it's good for that long. I don't think you give yourself a tetanus shot every time you right. cut yourself. The point is that it's like good for a while. Like, and I, I don't know that you should be doing that. And if you're working in a hospital, you are up to date on your shots. Yeah, hopefully. Because, no, like, the the chances of you getting, especially in the ER, sliced by something seem really high in comparison to other jobs. I need to get a tetanus shot. This is what I'm remembering right now. I think mine's out of date. Yeah, I think I need to as well. I might be at eight years. Anyways. So can we talk about can we talk about the, the butt hair thing? Sure. Yes. Are we implying that Caden is a better, hotter person because he doesn't have butt hair? Because that, that seems to be the thing. He goes, how come you don't have hair on your butt? I have a fuzzy butt. That's Dev. And Caden looks at him sympathetically and says, you could always wax. And Dev asks, do you? And Caden says, no. Cleaning up, Dev mutters, so not fair. This is a weird exchange. I don't know why we needed to add that. Like, Dev's married. He's not out looking to pick up chicks and having a hard time with it. Beyond that, though, this is like a weird detail I didn't need. Very much so. And some people are just hairy. Some dudes just are hairy, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. I, th- I thought that was a weird detail. It's a weird then, detail. So in chapter 22, we find out that... Yeah, so it cuts from there. Like, that's the end of that chapter. He's like, I don't really mind the pain in my ass cheek because of how I got it. And that's the end of the chapter. It is. And then we cut to two weeks later. Literally a chapter entirely dedicated to... His ass. His ass. So they've had sex a few times now. More than just the two times we've seen. They've officially had it several times. They've been having sex for two weeks, and so she's trying to help this young woman who, or a young man or a young woman, a young man who had a patient, or or had an asthma attack, and she keeps saying things that remind her of having sex with Kate, and it goes back and forth. But then Chief Overhand, who we got introduced to mid-sex scene two chapters ago, actually shows up and implies that he would like to speak with Elizabeth. So then we go to the office. We also get random medical jargon that she throws in, which is always amusing because then she does random shit like she does in this chapter where it's like, you don't actually understand what's going on in the medical field, but you really want to seem like you do. Yeah, it, there, it's like the sub Q thing. It's like she went on WebM and yeah, yep. WebMD for a few hours and that's like it. Or maybe she has, you know, asthma attacks, but like... It's the last time I went to the ER, I sat next to a guy who was having an asthma attack and it's scary shit. I have, um, not uh proper, like traditional asthma. I have like a really standard thing where I have asthma attack, like symptoms when I exert myself and it's like, I'm allergic to something. A lot of people have that. It's so, like high pollen days. I have to look out for them. It's terrifying. It hurts a lot. It does. Like, I'm lucky in that I know it'll go away as soon as I'm out of the contaminant. I don't know what I would do if it just happened every time I exerted myself. Yeah, I could say a lot about my lung and upper respiratory issues, but I don't have asthma, and it is actually kind of shocking that I never had asthma. But I gotta know. I just feel like if somebody was... I just feel like if somebody was having, like, an asthma attack in front of me, I probably wouldn't be able to think about the sex stuff maybe that's just something that happens when you're a doctor like you can have that like sort of brain multitask thing going on it's just a weird bit but anyways it's all just there to remind us that we're doctor they're doctors in case we forgot and then she goes to overhand's office where she finds out that they've cut a bunch of the residents why would they give them an epipen over an inhaler they give him an epipen yeah is that what sub-Q is? Isn't that what epinephrine is? 
Oh shit, you're right. That is what epinephrine is. Am Although I, I think um I think epinephrine might be like the reason you get an EpiPen is because you can have an asthma like result. Epinephrine. Okay, they are used for both, but still I don't know, I just I s- epinephrine um stops an it stops antihistamines, but I also think it's like a super intense um anti-inflammatory. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's weird. Whatever. That I, Neither of us have asthma and neither of us can really speak too much yeah. into that. So, yeah. Let's get to Feel what's going. Feel free anybody to just, like, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> so, we find out that Caden's getting transferred to Chicago along with three other doctors that we don't really care about um, because apparently they're cutting residents. And as far as I knew, you can't cut residents. Aren't they kind of studying? So... One of my friends is a doctor and I shot her a quick text... Uh, while reading this just to see um, f- what I knew about the uh, medical field is essentially that you go, you do interviews, you get matched up. It's like a whole big to do like it. You are studying and you can choose to transfer yourself, but it's also like transferring colleges where like you have to say like, these are the things I've done. These are the rotations I've done, how they line up to whatever the hospital does. Like, um, it's a match is a binding contract that you're working with at hospital. And I could see like, if you're not working out, they can cut you, but they can't just up and transfer you to another school. And so I just looked it up. An intern is a first year resident. A resident is in any year of training and attending is a doctor who is no longer in training not a resident or a fellow who supervises residents and interns. The attending is basically the doctor in charge. So if you're a resident, you're still training. I don't feel like it's that common to cut residents. It's because of how, like, they can, okay, here's what she said. I said, I asked, can a hospital transfer you during your residency without you having a say? And she said, not you, not usually unless you elect to. They can send you close by, like, to another city or surrounding city. But unless that is known when you start, they do not specifically... Unless that is known when you start that specific rotation or month out of town. So, like, if the hospital... If you have to do a certain rotation and the hospital can't provide it, they'll send you somewhere else. Okay. But it's not like you're going to cut somebody because of budget restrictions. Right. Like, if you have a residency program, you say this is how many residents we can take. Yeah, it's not like halfway through the season, or halfway through you're going to cut a bunch of, like, fourth-year residents. That doesn't seem fair. Right. But you, as a resident, can choose to go to another hospital. Now, when you finish your residency, they have the choice of if they want to hire you or not, and odds are... You know, it depends on what you want. And if you choose to go on to what's after residency. Attending. It looks like. Nope. There's another one in between. No idea. Hang on. I was looking at this a minute ago. It's essentially like if you have to do more of your residency, if you specialize in something, like it's called something oh, else. Okay. I got to find it again. But yeah, like if you have to do a longer study. And again, this is all in America. It could be very different in other countries and in fact i know some things are different but this book is based in america which is why we're talking about the america program fellowship that's what's Ah, after it okay so if you have to go into like something even more specific you go into a fellowship so (coughs) all that being said this chapter is bullshit and the rest of this book is going to be extra bullshit it is also similar structure and i'm very curious now so i read a little bit more of cocky room roommate Mm -hmm. roomie one of the two because i wanted to see if these books get better and i cannot finish cocky roomie i think i read another like six chapters it was like no i'm done i'm out but in that our main dude our cocker brother jake Mm -hmm. is that his name is being sent to denver away from his family for one reason that he can't get out of whatever and here again we have a cocker kid being forced to leave atlanta and i'm really curious is every single cocker brother book them trying to stay in atlanta 
I mean, that's probably an element of it, just because she's got such that strong focus on, like, it's, like, family. It's, like, Fast and Furious meets Fifty Shades of Grey. I get that, but that has to get really old after 18 books of, like, probably. at some point, he's going to be threatened to be sent away, and she's going to have to do everything in her power to save him. Well, she already inappropriately tells him before the chief does that he's going to be transferred to Chicago. I also don't think there should be allowed to tell you where you're going, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> all of this is bullshit. There's also a really long discussion on how Janet is going to stay. But it's almost like they're implying that they've hired Janet. Well, Janet also decides to um, pursue heart surgeon surgery yeah. thoracic science or something they said a bunch of stuff about it um which i think cardiovascular is, which i think is only there to make janet seem even more evil like i think that that's where we're going with this because i think that ultimately janet is the villain in this book even though so far we've done nothing to make us not like janet and in fact i think caden's kind of an asshole but we're not supposed so to is think elizabeth that. yeah they're jackasses because, so, at some point, Elizabeth has written reviews on them, and she called Janet emotionally bulletproof, and now Elizabeth is going back and saying that she doesn't believe that Janet has any empathy at all, and this makes her a terrible doctor. This is crazy. But also, there's a weird line where, uh, da -da 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 -da. We need more women on our staff, Dr. Myers, and more diversity. If you're going to make Janet a first-year American and focus on her diversity and focus on her parents being immigrants, you have to give us her background. I just feel like it's another moment where Felina is attempting to tell us what she thinks about things, because obviously we're supposed to see this diversity hire as being a bad thing, even though we, every single piece of evidence we've been given up until this point paints Janet as a better doctor who's sharper and more astute and more to the point and more capable than Caden is. But Caden's got a bigger heart and Elizabeth wants to fuck him, so he's... It's kind of like, um... Did you ever watch Girls? No. I watched an episode and hated it. So there's this part where she, like, um, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, is in the show, and... Is he really? Maybe I need to reconsider this. Well, this is the problem with it. Hannah, played by Lena Dunham, plays him, or plays, uh, or no, she dates him within the context of the show, and he's black, and he's a Republican. At one point, she starts telling him that it's fucked up for him to be a Republican when he's black, and he's like that's really fucked up. Why are you assuming that I'm a Democrat because I'm black? That's really, like, racist. She goes, I feel like you're reverse racist. You're, like, exoticizing me because I'm a white girl. And it's weird. What? And it's played off well in the show in that you understand that Hannah's a bad person and it was fucked up for her to do that and Donald Glover leaves the show and she doesn't date him anymore. Except that then we continue to follow girls through Hannah's eyes. She's still the main character. Even if your main character's bad and does bad things, if they're the character, the point of view that you are viewing the world through, it doesn't make it okay. Like, so, Elizabeth and Caden are jackasses, and they're acting like jackasses, but they're our point of view characters. So, on some basic level through the narrative, we're excusing their jackassery. Or the writer is. We are. By choosing to pursue this point of view. Is she also trying to imply that this whole, like, push for more diversity and jobs is bullshit? It sounds like she's because trying to push this idea that it's disadvantaging white dudes. To me. It really, like, that's how this reads. Is that just because they're diverse doesn't make them the better choice. Which is true and fine. But there's nothing in here that so far that has proven that Janet is not up to the challenge, nor is she not deserving of this. And that's what makes me kind of upset is I feel like this is Felina sort of clapping back at like affirmative action or something like that. And everything else she has said is so 
bootstrappy to me. Like, I just feel... I feel like it's another way into which she's, she's ham-fisting her political, social, philosophical ideologies into this book that, one, I don't need... I want to read this book for a romance and sex and you haven't really nailed either of those but we've had to go on like four different weird diatribes to talk about how you feel about things felina i just i was i'm, I'm disappointed in her i'm disappointed in the fact that this is an 18 book series that's supposed to be about like slow burn erotica and it's not very slow burny and it's not very erotic and it's not even very good romance Romance requires characters because characters create stakes, and these characters have almost nothing about them. Like, people call Bella Swan blank. I can't tell you what Elizabeth looks like. She has long hair. It's brown, maybe? Maybe. She likes classical music? Of course she does. Bella did, too. Exactly. You were going to go on a Twilight rant. Was this it? I don't really need to. All anyone needs to know is I found all of the Twilight DVDs except for Breaking Dawn Part 2 for a dollar a piece at Goodwill. No, Salvation Army. So of course I bought them. Of course you did. Why would so you? So I watched New Moon and Eclipse for the first time pretty much since they came out. And guys, those movies are bad. How? Tell me more. So the, the interesting thing is after the first movie, they do not bother attempting to sell Edward as a desirable romantic partner at all. He literally is a piece of furniture. Robert Pattinson could have been offset actually physically phoning it in and it would have been better. <laughs> and then Taylor Lautner trying his damnedest, but his damnedest is not good enough. No, but it's not. But he's so much more like, um... His physicality is a lot more demanding, in my opinion, or commanding, like, in terms of, like, the scenes. I don't think Kristen Stewart is good in these films at all. I think she's an immensely talented actress and a very cool human being. Agreed. She's terrible in these. Everything she does is weird. It's And, like, the worst part is that I can tell she doesn't want to be there, and so even if she's given cues that would have improved this, like, a lot of what she's doing wrong is obviously her instinct as an actress in this shit-tastic role she doesn't want. But there's just all these scenes where it's like there's such a clear, obvious choice in the films who you should be with. And it's Jacob. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I know he does some fucked up things, but considering the broad scale of fucked up things that Edward has done, like, at least Jacob doesn't want to eat you alive. This is very true. And then there's the part where he's like, do you feel that, Bella? That's my beating heart. This is warm flesh and blood. And it's like, yeah, this is all a really good point. Also, sometimes he's a dog. Which is, everybody loves dogs. There's the part, although there is this part in, I forget which one, because I watched them back to back pretty much. He like walks up beside her like a wolf and they're talking. It's a little weird. She starts petting him and then Edward comes over and he slinks off and it's like, wow, that was literally heavy petting. <laughs> that he just, like, walked in on. Do you think they made a bet with each other where they were like, let's see how bad we could act and how much money these still make? <laughs> so, I watched Eclipse, and I saw Eclipse in theaters at midnight. Eclipse is number three? Yeah. So... Okay. So he proposes at the end of New Moon, right? Yeah, he... Well, he says marry me at the okay. end of New Moon. He proposes halfway through Eclipse with that god-awful ring. That everybody wanted remember, for like a few years. So I just remember he says, marry me at the end of New Moon, and the entire theater cried. Because <laughs> these movies came out around my sister's birthday, so we always went together. And they all went, <gasps> and we, my sister and I looked at each other and went, that just happened, didn't it? Yep. So he proposes to her. In the second, or like, in the third movie, and then she doesn't want to tell Jacob right away, and they have to go to fucking base camp while the actual cool vampire battle happens, because we need to hang yes. out with this. So, Jacob has to, like, warm her up, and they have, like, kind of a weird romantic night. And then while she's asleep, Edward and Jacob discuss her like she's not there, a la The Hunger Games. Yeah. And then the next day... Edward brings up the fact 
that Bella's gonna marry him and calls her Mrs. Cullen. And then after the fact, Jacob is like, you're marrying him? And Bella's like, Edward, it's really fucked up that you knew because Edward can just sort of ubiquitously read people's thoughts. I'm gonna get into the inconsistencies with that in a second, too. Um, (laughs) And she was like, you knew he was listening. So then she goes after Jacob. Edward can read thoughts ubiquitously. Like, let's just put that out there. At any given time, wherever you are, Edward knows what you're thinking about. She walks about 20 feet away from Edward. Jacob's like, you know what? I'm going to get myself killed in this battle. And she goes, kiss me, Jacob. And then they make out. And first of all, it's like a way hotter kiss than her and Edward have ever had. Very true. Second, Edward is aware the entire time. He can read Jacob's thoughts. He knows what Jacob is thinking about all the time. So she was just like, I'm going to marry you, Edward. Then she got mad at him for letting Jacob know about it. And then Edward just, like, walks away and she goes and makes out with him and he still knows the whole thing. And I'm just like... And then, like, the next movie they pick up. Like, they don't really address any of this. And then in the next movie they pick up and he just marries her, like, without any problems with it. I really want to reread these books now. I I don't remember it being addressed in the book either. Like, and now I'm looking back, I'm like, this is, like, a serious thing. Like, she straight up admitted, like, I have serious feelings for this other guy. And he has so many good points. Like... You wouldn't have to, you know, leave your dad or watch all of your loved ones die or die yourself, technically. So, or drink blood. Oh, yeah, that's gross. And then this is the thing that bothered me the most. And I remember getting mad in the movie theater about it. Edward, to prove that Edward is no longer bothered by Bella's blood, it doesn't bother him because she he thought she was dead for 24 hours and he realized he couldn't live without her in the second movie or whatever she cuts herself and he walks up to her and it's supposed to be a tense moment where it's like oh he's gonna kill her and then he takes her shirt and he rips a piece off to bandage her wound that's her fucking shirt don't remember any of this he rips her shirt Not his. Hers. She cut herself on purpose. I would have ripped her shirt, too. Hold on. No, 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 no. Let's roll this back. She almost froze to death the night before. She's wearing a flannel and a t-shirt on top of a snowy mountain. Okay. 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 He's wearing a shirt. He also doesn't get cold. He doesn't get cold. Furthermore, I don't care how bad my cut is. I'm going to be mad if you rip my shirt to fix it. Okay. I'll give it to you. It's a flannel. Dang it, cheap. The, yeah, that's true. If it's a real flannel, don't rip that shit. I just... Because it's going to last you 20 fucking years. Because I just found that scene, like, so weird. Like, why does he rip her shirt? Why doesn't he just go get a band-aid? I'm sure they've got a first aid kit in the tent that's 10 feet away. Why doesn't he rip his shirt? No. He walks up, rips her shirt and wraps her arm, and she's, like, giving him the fuck-me eyes. <laughs> the bedroom eyes. This is why I'm not cut out for these romance novels. This is why I will, there will never be a main character like me in Fifty Shades of Grey or Twilight, because I'm neurotic, and I wouldn't deal with it. He'd rip my shirt, and I'd be like, Mother fucker, where do you get off? I'm very excited for you to read The Court of Thorns and Roses. Good. I hope there's a crotchety bitch in it. Like me. (laughs) There is, actually. And I'm very curious about, because I need to read the third book, what happens with her. This is why I'll never be the main character in a rom-com, though. Oh, well. You will. We're going to have to write it. No, I'm sorry. You and Will. Some of the stories I've heard, it might as well be a rom-com. We are very rom-com-y. Will and I are kind of rom-com-y. Yeah. So I don't agree with this. I do, just to get back to the book really quick, want to point out that there are three doctors with Caden that are getting transferred. One of which is definitely Young is a or Nguyen. Nguyen is how it's pronounced. Yeah. And it's uh I yeah, think Vietnamese. Yeah. So like not really a diversity hire over there, Janet Gilroy. Gilroy. Yeah. 
Have we hit the halfway point? I don't think we have. I think we have. We got to chapter 23. We are up to chapter 24 of 48. I think we have one more chapter and then we're halfway done. Well, it's been yet another lovely time speaking to you about all of this, and this book makes less and less sense as we go. My dick sparks at you in happiness. My ego bruised dick springs, springs to life at the subject of us being halfway through this god-awful book. Um, I'm going to mimic our, our buddies over at Oops, I Talk Politics. Say, so, yeah. Okay. I've been a self-administered tetanus shot. <laughs> Shit. I'm going to pick a random one. I've been a tent covering the food court at a festival that fell. Oh, I was going to say you were two crotches being rushed together. Oh, damn it. That would have been a better one. Damn it. Ugh. All right. All right. See you next week. See you next week when we read 24 through 28. Something like that. You know, let's just see how far we can get because the quicker we move this along. Yep. I'm so glad we didn't do chapter by chapter. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, the chapters are like five pages long. And that's a long chapter. Yeah, that's a longer chapter. Pages. There's been chapters that are literally like maybe 250 words. All right. Till next week. Till next week. I'll see you soon, Meg. <laughs>